Approaching the Advent season, um, taking part in something called the Advent Conspiracy, which um, there's a handout deal you got on the seat when you came in, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But, um, so this is something that, that we feel uh, needs to be a, a part of how we celebrate Christmas together this year, so um, we'll get more into that, but um, there are four kind of major ideas behind uh, the Advent Conspiracy is something that um, a couple of churches got together a few years ago and started doing, and it's just kind of spread from there. And um, It's worship fully and spend less and give more and love all. And so we're taking uh, one of those things each week, and uh, this week is spend less. And um, just trying to think, you know, and pray through kind of how you approach this subject, and it was difficult because basically um, it, it says it all right there, spend less. And so that would be the shortest sermon uh, ever, but I would say, uh, spend less, let us pray. And uh, y'all probably be like, cool, uh, less hearing you talk, more pancakes in my belly. So, um, but uh, unfortunately, you won't get off that easily, easily tonight. We're going to expand on that a little bit, and, and I really was was uncertain of, of how to do that because it really is such a simple thing um, that we are uh, we're working toward a Christmas that is not about spending and debt and money and gifts and chaos and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and so I really, um, I had to, it, it, took, it took me a while this week to really figure out how do you, um, how does all this fit in? And, and I, I kept coming back to this, this basic idea that the, the Christmas story in and of itself is so incredibly simple. Like, there's just not a lot of flash to it, you know, um, that um, when, you, when you read the story and, and you really listen to what it's saying, um, everything in it is just, uh, it's just perfect. And a part of what makes it so perfect, I think so endearing, is that it is, in fact, so incredibly simple. And so we're, we're going to read, um, read through it, and we'll point out some, some things, uh, and all that kind of stuff, kind of like every week. Uh, Luke chapter 2. And so let's read this in, uh, with kind of that lens in mind of simplicity. It says, in those days, starting in the beginning of chapter 2, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among them, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. No, no flash. Everything is very simple. You have, uh, you have Joseph, uh, who we, we don't know much about him. Um, we know that, uh, according to in Matthew chapter 1, that he was just, um, that he was apparently a man of, of character, that when... Uh, Mary was found to be with child. He did not want to uh, embarrass her publicly, and he was going to just divorce her quietly. And, and so there was some integrity with this guy. Um, he was a carpenter. Um, obviously, um, okay, so they go to their, uh, their hometown for the census. And even though he's of the lineage of David, I mean, there's, he has no, I mean, there's nowhere to stay, you know? I always thought that was kind of odd, that he's going to his hometown and yet there's nowhere, no family that's like, hey, you know, we got a couch, or, you know, whatever. Uh, we, we got a rock or whatever they slept on, I don't know. Uh, a mat on the floor. Um, you know, like I always thought that was kind of odd. I mean, this is, he's going to his hometown, so surely, you know, he's of the lineage of David, you know. So, I mean, I guess that, you know, it's not like today where you're like, I'm a Kennedy, you know, give me a room. Uh, I don't I guess it really worked that way. He's of the lineage of David, but that obviously didn't give him any kind of status or anything. Um, you have Mary, who um, is, obviously, is favored by God, and there was something very special about her that God chose her uh, to be the one to, um, to carry um, him, himself. Uh, and, and so, but there's really nothing, you know, all that flashy about her. She wasn't a political figure. She wasn't, you know, um, you know popular. Or, there's really not much that we know about her. So you have this couple that's just, it's just very simple. Um, they, th- they think probably she was like 15 or 16. Joseph was, was older than that. And so they were, just, they were just normal, simple people. And so they go to his hometown, and they, you know, there's no rooms, because obviously if it's a census and everybody's coming there, uh, all the hotels were full and stuff. And so um, depending on how, how you want to see the story play out, some innkeeper was like, come on, i got a stall in the barn that y'all can have or what. I don't know, but probably she was pregnant about to have a kid, and they probably were like, all right, we need to do something. Um, and so uh, here's, here they are in the stable and uh, gives birth, and the, the crib was where the cows ate out of and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and it just doesn't get a whole, much. It, it's so incredibly simple, it's endearing, you know. 
And then the first people to come see him are, are shepherds, and shepherds were not exactly, you know, high society people or whatever. They were, um, you know, they were generally good at their job, but that was not exactly something that you sought after. There was no status with that. And so the first people to see um, the word that has become flesh, you know, is Mary and Joseph. And, and then these shepherd boys come up, and they're like, hey, these angels came, and they told us to come see him, and there he is, and, and all that was really good, but... Um, there were no big, big name officials that got to see him first. You know, nobody really that important. Even when the, the wise men came, it's funny because we always, you see these nativity scenes and stuff or you go to a Christmas pageant and the wise men, you know, when they come in, they parade in there in these big, like, big funny looking hats and these big robes, you know, and they ride camels in or whatever. And they have these big treasure chests, you know, that they carry in. They have all these servants and stuff like that. We don't really know Jack about these guys. Uh, they were from the east. Um, that's all we know, and they were apparently wise. And uh, beyond that, everything else we've completely made up. And, um, and, and so all we know is that they came from the east. You know, they were like, hey, we're here to see the king of the Jews because we saw this star, and according to the prophecies, that means that he's born, so we're here. And they get manipulated into going to find him. And, um, of course, you know, they, most people think that Jesus was a little bit older than, you know, like a day when, he, when they came. But even though they were included in the nativity scene still. Um, and so, you know, so they show up. And all, all we really know is that they were wise. They were from the east. And when they got there, they saw him. They started worshiping him. And they, they, it says that they opened up their treasures. And so it could be as simple as maybe they were like, what do I have on me that I can, I mean, this is the king of the Jews. And so maybe they didn't bring out this giant pirate-sized treasure chest, you know, they crack open or whatever. Um, like, maybe it was just like, he's like, look, I have some gold on me. And the guy was like, I got some frankincense. Uh, I don't really know what that is. And the uh, last guy was like, all I got is myrrh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so that's why he was always third. Um, and so, I don't know. But there, it's, it's all like so incredibly simple. You have um, Bethlehem. There's nothing spectacular about Bethlehem. Um, other than the fact that, like, David, you know, it was, like, his town or whatever, but there was nothing special about that. I mean, you've got, you've got a baby. I mean, what's more simple than, than a baby? I mean, I, it's complicated to be a parent of a baby, but the baby himself, I mean, they're just screaming and eating, basically, and uh, whatever. And so um, there's this, that simplicity. Even, even, like, if you look at John's account, you know, when he says um, that, that Jesus was the light of men. What's, I mean, it's so simple, light. Everywhere it talks about Christmas and uh, what, what happened there, it's always simple. And so I was you know, thinking about that and reading that and just really kind of wrapped up in, in how cool that is that um, it was simple. But then I was like, but you know what, at the same time, it's, it's simple, but it's not simple. There's something not simple about it as well. And, and this is what I think it is. With, within each of the simple things about the Christmas story, there's, there's an incredible amount of depth. That it is, it is simple, but yet it is very, very deep. So you have, you have Mary and Joseph who are very ordinary people. But God chose them to do some extraordinary things with. And that's a part of what we know to be, to be the gospel, is the fact that, that God uses ordinary people to do just absolutely amazing things. You can look around the room tonight, and we're a bunch of ordinary people. 
But God has said, I want you to carry my gospel, to bear my image. Uh, I want to redeem you, and I want your life to, um, to be lived in such a way that your light shines and other people see my glory in you, and I draw them to me through you. And I, that's, that's deep. We see the, the simplicity of, of the setting that's there. But I mean, there were some extraordinary events that happened in this setting. I mean, we have a woman giving birth where technically she should not be able to give birth. You know what I'm saying? There were, I mean, there are miracles happening right in front of them. And so the simplicity of the whole of the circumstances was incredibly deep because you have this this God who just spoke the universe into existence and 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 you have all this power and all this grace and all this mercy completely displayed in all these ways through these very simple circumstances and these very simple people. You have a baby. And and there's a a, a line from a song uh, by Kevin Smith, and he says um, in these 10 fingers. All of heaven's fight. The fact that here's this baby, and every single, like every bit of, of the power of heaven is present in this little one. That the plan of redemption is now rolling forward. That God is, has launched it out there to make all things new. So this simple baby has an incredible amount of depth to what is in his future and, and, and who he is in, in the first place. We have these these simple shepherds, but they got to stand in a field and get an angel talk to them, and then all these other angels come and they sing, and they got to follow this star there. These simple wise men from the east who got to follow this star in, and, and they got to see him, and they got to go back to the east, and so the word already began to, to spread that the king of the Jews, the Messiah, had been born. I mean, there's some um, amazing things going on here. And so whether we're looking at it, from the standpoint of, of miracles or displays of God's power and grace or, or the, the redemptive plan for humanity that's now being launched. Everything is, is, is very simple, but everything is also at the same time very, very deep, very, very meaningful. And so I was thinking about that, like, like man, that's, that's huge. That's huge for me. To see that simplicity and that depth to look at these very humble circumstances and, and to have God say, watch me make good on every single promise I made. Watch this whole thing go down the exact way that I promised it would hundreds of years before. And even though I was silent for like 450 years, watch this, watch this happen and watch all these people of faith step in there. It just, I mean, it just unfolds. So the simplicity and the depth of the Christmas story I think, fit in very well to what we're talking about tonight, which, which is spend less. Because here's, here's what, what has happened, is that Christmas, I think we would all agree that Christmas has become something else, you know, especially in America. It's just become something else. And so what was simple yet deep, I think, has now become complicated and kind of shallow. It's kind of become the, the antithesis of what it originally was. It's kind of been turned upside down. And so if, you know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how biblically 
you know, our, our money has been in, entrusted to us um, so that our needs are met and so that we can meet needs of other people. That kind of in a nutshell is what, what, when we look at money, I mean, that's what it all boils down to. Um, if, if we really believe that that's true, that God has trusted us with money so that we can eat and, and have clothing and shelter and then everything that's left we can put in and help other, other people, if we really believe that, then obviously Christmas must be about something other than um, needless spending and buying stuff people don't really need and whatever. Christmas has got to be about something different than that. And see, spend less and this whole Advent conspiracy thing, this is not just a, a clever fundraiser to try and um, uh, get this offering so we can send and uh, have wells dug in parts of the world where people don't have clean water. It's, it's not like a, a good like, trick. You know, if we want to do a fundraiser, we would like sell like M&Ms or something and whatever. Like that's what a fundraiser is. This is not a fundraiser. I don't know why I keep doing that. I'm really, really sorry. Um, it's not my voice. I don't think. Um, um, if we want to do a fundraiser, we would do a fundraiser. See, all this, this is, is, is about um, making our Christmas, or this in one sense, is about making our Christmas simple again and deep again and refusing to let it be complicated and shallow. And so I think by participating in this and taking all this seriously, we have the opportunity to flip it back on its right side and a return to what is important. And so I started thinking, okay, so, so how, like, like, what does this really look like? And I just want to just throw out a couple of things that I think are practical ways that we can return to that simplicity and that depth, okay? Um, here's a couple of them, and a lot of them are negative, all right? Um, don't, don't buy stuff out of obligation. And let's face it, we all have our list, people we feel like we have to buy things for, right? And it's um, oftentimes based on last year, right? Or if they came up and handed you a gift and you're like, oh, I don't have yours with me, you know? Uh, I didn't wrap it yet or uh, whatever. Um, there's there's that, that obligation. And what, what we have to do is we have to refuse to live that way. There's like this crazy rule, and I'll just go, go ahead and say it. There's this crazy rule that if... Uh, and this doesn't exist among guys, it's only among females that I've heard it, that if someone asks you to be a bridesmaid, that you are obligated to ask them to be a bridesmaid. And I rebuke that. <laughs> I don't think that's very fair. But there's this weird thing about giving, uh, giving gifts at Christmas time the same way. Don't give out of obligation. That's not what giving gifts is about. Don't... Um, don't compete with your gifts. It's really bad about, uh, among siblings, especially the older you get. It's like, what'd you get, what'd you get Dad? Oh, really? All right. Yeah. That's good. That's cute. That's good. Uh, or if, you know, you ask them, what'd you get, Dad? And they tell you, and you're like, oh, man. I'm going to go, uh, I got to run an errand real quick. You got to go add to yours or whatever. Don't do that. That's so stupid. Don't try to give the coolest gifts. Don't try to, don't try to one-up last year. Isn't that the worst? We're like, man, last year we gave him uh, something that was worth this much, and so, I mean, he's going to expect it. Well, no, probably not. I mean, maybe. Some people do. But don't, don't fall into that trap. You know, that's pointless. 
What a terrible way to live, always having to one-up last year. And, and, and in the same sense, don't keep score with people. Don't keep track in your mind of what they gave you last year and be like, oh, I guess they're feeling the economy because my uh, gift was not nearly as nice as last year's. Whatever. Don't do that. Because we're missing the whole point. And that's when things get, they get really, really complicated instead of the simplicity of what giving a gift is all about. We have to come, we have to like have a return to what that whole gesture and that whole custom is really, really about. Don't do that stuff. Um, maybe, um, maybe you need to say no to some stuff this Christmas. Maybe, maybe simplicity for you is not in the area of spending, you know? Maybe you're like, okay, um, I make no money, so I have no problem giving less, because, uh, spending less, because I, I can't do much. Maybe for you, simplicity is um, not letting your schedule get so full that you miss the point of everything that goes on. And that's what happens. You have work parties and family parties and community group parties and this and this and this, and, and things are, are you're, you're just going so much. Maybe you need to, to turn down an event, you know? Maybe you need to say no to some things. Maybe you need to buy less presents for people. It's not a personal thing. You know, I don't joke about who's, who's going to get cut, you know, but man, it's not, man, it's not about that. With the Advent Conspiracy, the, the, what they um, ask is they ask everybody to buy one less present. Just one. But from what I've been reading and stuff like that, of churches that have taken part in this, it may begin with one, but what happens is it's like you, your whole like outlook changes. So you're like, I bought one less, but I still bought eight that I didn't really need to buy. There's eight things you're going to end up in a garage sale somewhere or that they're never going to wear or that they're going to wear because they feel obligated because they know I'm coming over or, you know, whatever. And, I mean, what's, what's the point in that? Is that really showing the person how you feel about them and, and whatever? So maybe, maybe simplicity for you takes, takes shape in other areas of life. But we can't forget the other side of things uh, about, about deepening the simple gestures that we do. If we're, we're spending less and we're, and we're, we're making our le- lives less complicated and just chaotic or whatever, we also have to strive for more depth in the things that we are sinking ourselves into. And, and one way that, that we can do that is, like we talked about last week, by worshiping fully this Christmas, by there not being anything that we do that, that fails to um, show God how much he is worth to us. That if we're, if we're shopping, if we're in traffic, if we're interacting with cashiers, if we're interacting with our coworkers or whatever, and all these different things that in, in every single aspect of life, we're like, I want to worship God fully in this. I don't want to make this an exception. And, and I mean, it has always happens. If I make an example of something on a Sunday night, you can bet on a Monday, I'm going to have to like do it. It always happens. So of course, this week, I go into places and the cashiers are mean. And the people that work there won't help. And people don't know the difference between yield and merge. And, I mean, all those things I got put to the test this week. And I did not pass all the time. I'll be very honest with you. But, but I was so aware of it when it was going on, too. Um, it, was, it was just real, real interesting to me. But, 
but that's one way that things can, can become deeper for us. If we're like, all right, I'm, I'm going to Walmart and I want to worship fully when I go to Walmart, that's going to deepen the things that we're experiencing. And you have to go to Walmart. You can't avoid it. So maybe that, that's one thing that, that, that you can do. Um, there are, are lots of resources online that, where there are um, devotionals for, this, for Advent. Advent began last week. And so there are lots of things that, that you can do. You sub- can subscribe to uh, things that will email you a devotion each day, or you can download these things and print them out. Um, deepening each day, where you're like, no, I, I want every day to sit down. I want to open up the Word. I want to read. I, I want every day of, of Advent to, to build upon the previous one because Advent is about coming. It's about expect, expectations. It's about longing for, for Christ. And so um, maybe deepening for you means... Uh, taking this more serious from a devotional standpoint. I mean, just, just Google it, and you'll have all kinds of stuff out there. And look, there's some crazy stuff out there. Okay, so if you aren't sure, run it by someone that you trust or whatever. Um, I, I, think, I think maybe the, the best thing that, that we can all do to deepen our, um, uh, to deepen our simplicity, I guess the best way to say it, is to really, like, to really think and pray through the relationships that you have. You know, you take, take your parents or your siblings or your spouse or your best friend or whatever, and you really, you sit down and you think and you pray about, like, how can I best express to them what I know needs to be expressed during Advent about the birth of Jesus? Instead of just making a list and going through and, and seeing, okay, I can get something from Home Depot for him, and Academy gift card there, and iTunes something, and I have no clue, and whatever. Maybe take time to really think about, all right, well, is iTunes gift card really going to convey to my brother how I feel about him? And is that really going to communicate and reflect in a true sense what this is all about? Maybe it will. And maybe for you, it's, it's an iTunes gift card accompanied by some kind of, of a letter or some kind of something where you really express that, you know. But really take time and think through those things so that every gift that goes out there has some meaning behind it. One more thing, and I just want to point you to this. If you'll take this out, um, this is something that we've put together uh, to let you know what is out there and what is available um, for us in the next couple weeks. Um, It says at the top of, of each sheet, there are opportunities to serve, opportunities to give. Um, one thing that uh, people are, are doing all around the country is that uh, they're giving the gift of serving together with someone. And that might sound kind of weird to say, hey, you know what I'm going to do for you for Christmas? Uh, I'm going to take you with me to a homeless shelter. We're going to hang out with, with the, the men that live there. That might seem weird. But it's really not weird. It's simple, and it's deep. And uh, I think it's, it's a pretty good reflection of what this is all about. And so here's what we've done. On the left side, you see opportunities to serve. Uh, these are all things that we have lined up that you can participate in. Um, there's one this Saturday. There's one the following Saturday. There are two the night of Christmas on the 25th that night. There's one the following Saturday, all right? Um, 
two of, uh, three of these things are at shelters. One is at a, a place that uh, provides housing to homeless men and women who have chronic mental illness. Um, and the last one is a work day where we're going to go and um, make a few stops around town and do some uh, handyman kind of stuff or whatever. And so, um, the, and these are, these are things that we have lined up for our church. There are countless things out there. This is not the only thing going on. And so if these things don't fit into your schedule and you want your family to serve together or your community group to serve together or you know, however you want to do it, if you want, just want to go by yourself, um, there are more opportunities than this. But, but we want to be able to put something in your hands that lets you know exactly what's going on. For each of these things to sign up, there's an, an email address that will be created tonight. Okay, so don't email me now from your phone because it will not go there because uh, I haven't created it yet. Um, when I get home tonight, I will do that and you can sign up that way and we'll communicate back and forth. Um, point of clarification, when we go to the men's shelter, um, anybody can go to that. That's not just uh, for guys, okay? And so, um, so those are the things that are on there. Um, and you might think it's kind of weird that we would book two things on Christmas night, but I can't think of a better time to go and do things. Um, if you look on the other side, there are opportunities to give, and this involves um, money, all right? The first one, uh, we're, we're collecting an offering for Living Water International. And this is the organization connected to Advent Conspiracy. And so um, you can look at their website and all that kind of stuff to see more that's going on. But um, back there, uh, there's a, a table where the cross is, and that's where our prayer requests are collected. That's where our offering is collected. Um, there's a tall metal cylinder, and that cylinder is uh, it's a well bucket. And um, it's an antique well bucket that would would lower down, it has a, a flap in the bottom, so it, they lower it down, and when you pull it back up, the flap closes and it fills up with water. And so um, we're gonna be collecting the money for that offering in that actual bucket. Uh, well, you can do it tonight, you can do it in the next couple weeks or whatever. You just need to write admin conspiracy in the memo part of the check or whatever so that we know that that's there. Here's what they've asked is that, um, like I said earlier, you buy one less present, you would take that amount of money and you would put that in the bucket. And so that's what we're asking people to do. And so whether it's one less or 10 less, or you, you have a um, amount of money that you've been able to save or, or whatever, um, and that money goes directly to Living Water International. None of it goes through Admit Conspiracy, and every dime of it goes to help dig wells in parts of the world where they're drinking out of literally like cesspools um, and people are dying because of the parasites and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, the next couple of weeks, we're gonna collect that on Christmas Eve, we're going to have a special prayer for that um, money and stuff like that, and then we'll send it off. And so um, that's one opportunity that you have to give. Another one, um, Casa Hogar is a, is a home for uh, rescued kids in Monclova, Mexico. Um, these are kids whose parents can't afford to take care of them, or they're in dangerous situations, or they were abandoned, or whatever. These kids come and they live uh, at this uh, uh, I, I would say compound, but it's not really a compound, but that's what it feels like when you go in. Like, these kids are safe um, when you go in. And so um, out there, there's, a, there's an angel tree. So there are ornaments on there, and uh, there's all kind of information for the kids. There's their picture, and there's all that kind of stuff. And so what you would do is you would take an ornament tonight or next week or whatever, and you would go and you would buy gifts for that kid. You would wrap them. You would bring them back with you to church, and then we're going to take them to them. We won't have them there for Christmas, but it'll be um, after that. And so um, those are two opportunities that are there to give. There are countless other things out there. There are so many organizations. Uh, Samaritan's Purse does some incredible stuff. 
Um, there's all kinds of things. Um, there's the, um, is this Lottie Moon time or Annie Armstrong? Any, any Baptist snow? This is Lottie Moon time. Uh, we don't really do that, and we might get trouble for that one day, but I don't really care. Um, but you can, you can give to that. If you write Lottie Moon on there, we'll give it to her, you know. Um, she's, just kidding, she's dead. But um, uh, we'll take care of it. There's so many, there's just there's so much that's out there. Um, if you would do me this favor, if you would take this with you um, and make this, uh, make this important to you. I believe that um, I believe that, that Christmas is already different for many, many, many people in our church. Even just the thought of what we're going to do and, and what is ahead and what's going to happen. Um, but in the next couple of weeks, we're going to really, really get into it. And, um, and I believe that I believe God's going to use this to, to change us. Um, there are some of you who are really going to struggle in the future with Christmas, and especially Christmas in America because of this. I think that's a good thing. Um, let, me, let me read this to you, and then we're going to go. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, the verse you're probably familiar with, and this is not exactly the best probably application of this verse. 12, 1 and 2, it says this. It says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When it talks about getting rid of everything that hinders us and everything that clings to us and, and the weight and things that hold us down, um, spending, I believe, is one of those things that weighs us down. I think it keeps us from really experiencing uh, the joy that, uh, that we see um, in the Christmas story. And so I, I believe that this is, it's a discipline issue. And I, think that I, know, I know that God uses disciplines as a means to an end. And that end is, is knowing him more and looking more like him. And so my prayer is that this will, will continue to push us forward. And that if, if spending and things being complicated and shallow, if that is a weight for us, that we will... We will that we will get rid of that. No, we will not look at, at that and take it lightly. That we'll say, that is, that is keeping me from being um, all that Jesus died for me to be. And so, um, let me just pray for us, and that's literally going to be it. We're going to go eat, okay? All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much. Thank you for this beautiful story that is so simple. Um, so intentional and so beautifully put together. God, we thank you for the depth and the meaning that's associated with literally every single part of the story. God, we repent of how complicated and shallow um, things have gotten for us this time of year, and we want you to, to lead us out of that, to help us turn the tables on what it has become. And you know we need your help to do that. So help, help us to see things differently and, and hear things differently and um, just make us into your image. And God, may this Christmas be celebrated in such a way that honors you fully 
and that draws people closer to you. We love you so much. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks, y'all. Look, we'll see you next time, but I'd rather see you over there eating pancakes right now. Enjoy. Enjoy.